Um, all right, why don't we open up the Word, uh, and Pastor Paul's going to preach for us from uh, this passage in Genesis, chapter 1. So, very easy, first page of the Bible. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, I'm going to read, be reading from verse 28, and I'm going to read through to chapter 2, verse 3. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, through to chapter 2, verse 3. I'll be reading from the ESV version, and um, just a reminder that as we read this, that this is the Word of God. Verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath, has the breath of life. I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. Verse 31, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. There was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Chapter 2, verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Amen. Um, good morning. Uh, it's good to see everyone here today. Um, in case you were waiting for slides today, uh, I don't have any slides uh, because we're talking about rest. So I thought I'd rest and not do some slides uh, this week. Um, but also, and you know, I've been thinking about um, slides are great and you know slides are really helpful. But one thing I noticed that when we have slides is uh, it kind of teaches us not to engage with the Bible because right? we know it's going to just be up there. Um, but I think there's a beauty of having your own uh, Bible and to open it up and to familiarize yourself with it, to know where about in the book of the Bible, you know, certain you know, Genesis is and where Romans is, and to know where the verses lie, you know, even in the layout of your Bible. And so you know, that's something I've been thinking about. And so hopefully today and you know, possibly next week as well, uh, we won't have slides. I want to encourage you to engage with your Bible, even if it's a Bible app, and familiarize yourself with the app. Um, as we go through this. So if you have a Bible, why don't you keep it open to Genesis 1 and uh, chapter 2. If you have a Bible app, uh, why don't you keep it open there because we'll be uh, referring to it. Uh, now, I don't know if you know, but um, I came out of a week of rest. Right? I had annual leave last week, and so uh, that was pretty nice. Uh, I think it was the first week off, maybe. Maybe the first week off I've had since we launched the church. And so I was really looking forward to it. Uh, first time, you know, I get to kind of take a break. I was feeling pretty tired, if I'm honest. A little bit exhausted uh, with the work of church and so I was really keen to take a break and get some rest. I don't know about you but uh, even church work can get tiring. Right? Why is it that work feels so restless? Right? Work isn't always at peaceful, it's not always easy. Uh, work is often met with frustration, it's, it's met with pain uh, and difficulty um, and even though church work is such an incredible privilege, I was feeling a bit tired. And so I wanted to get a bit of rest. But I found that not only is work restless, um, but rest. Rest is a lot of work. Right? Sometimes rest doesn't come easy. Right? As I approached that week, I had like this pressure to be like, I need to be productive with my rest. I don't know if you ever felt that way. I've only got one week. You know, and I, I need to use it well. Right? I need to use it in such a way that I'm completely rejuvenated and that you know, I can keep running for you know, the next two years or whatever. 
I had this pressure and then I realized that I didn't actually have a week off, I actually had two days off because, you know, I've got to help with the kids and stuff like that. And so now the, the added pressure of using that rest well. You know, if I'm honest, I came out of that week um, partly rested, very thankful, um, but quite tired still, if I'm honest. And rest is a lot of work and it doesn't always come easy. Right? Work is restless and rest is a lot of work. Why is that? That's, that's what I've been thinking. Why is that? And so I've been thinking about rest. And so I thought I'd talk about rest uh, today as I've wrestled with this idea of rest and why uh, rest comes so, um, so difficult for us and why we get so tired in this life. Now, I'm not preaching I'm out of a place where I've figured it all out. Right? I didn't come out of a week where I, I had complete rest and I'm like, this is how you do it. I'm trying to navigate this. Right? And as I try to navigate this and figure out the answers, hopefully I'll take you on this journey as we look at the Bible and understand rest as we find it in the Scriptures. Now let me ask you, when do we first find rest in the Bible? When? We just, we just heard it. <laughs> We find rest in the Bible first, uh, not with uh, man or humanity, uh, not with an animal, but we find it with God. We find it as early as the second chapter of the Bible, right? Genesis chapter 2. On the seventh day of the universe, we find rest. And so the first thing I want to talk about is God's design for rest, right? God's design for rest. The first time we're introduced to rest, it's in Genesis 2, we find God, and on the seventh day, it says that He rests. Now, before we get there, I just want to recap what Genesis 1 is like. Now, if you've grown up in church, you're probably familiar with Genesis 1. But in Genesis 1, God creates the universe. Right In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth, chapter 1, verse 1 says. And in six days, God creates everything where there once was nothing. God creates light and water vegetation, the stars, the sun, the birds, and the the fish of the sea. And what we find, if you read through Genesis 1, is there's a repeated refrain at the end of every day. It says, God saw that it was good. That's the first repetition. And we also find that it says, and there was evening, and there was morning. God creates, and God said that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning. And on that sixth day, Right, the final day of creation, God creates mankind. He creates us. And that's expanded a bit more in Genesis chapter 2. But in a nutshell, God creates us and then he tells Adam and Eve, he says, do these things and don't do these things. Right, he gives them work to do. He gives them things that they should obey. They are to be fruitful and multiply. They are to have dominion over every living thing. They are to tend the garden. And of course, they're not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So he makes them. He gives them work. And then we find in the verses that we heard, chapter 1, verse 31, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And then in chapter 2, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. 
And again, this is the first time we're introduced to rest. And I don't know if you, you, you noticed it, but as I read that, uh, these verses, there are words that are repeated. We hear the word finished. We hear the word work, and we hear the word rest. God had finished his work, which is why he rests. You see, God's rest here is a rest not from exhaustion, but it's a rest from completion. It's finished. The work is done. Right? It says here that God looks at everything he had made, and it's very good. Right? That's the first change in the repetition. Until now, it was, it was good, it was good, it was good. But now, at the end of the sixth day, God steps back from everything, and he goes, oh, this now, it's very good. It's done. It's complete. And not only that, there's a second break in the repetition. The second break is not an addition to what we found before, but now it's an omission. And what we don't find is the phrase, and there was evening and there was morning. That phrase isn't found at the end of the seventh day. See, at the end of each day, it's like it closes. Day one closes and we enter into the second day. The day two closes, we enter into the third. But when we get to the seventh day, the day of rest, it doesn't close. And the idea is that God has completely finished his work. So now he has entered into an eternal rest. Right? He doesn't work. The creative work that God did in those first six days is now completely finished. That's the kind of rest that God enjoys. It's a rest of completion, not from exhaustion. No, but for us, when we seek rest and when we find rest, it's a different kind of rest, isn't it? It's often a rest from exhaustion physically exhausted so we throw ourselves into bed mentally exhausted so we need to unwind emotionally exhausted so i need to take a break and go on a holiday god's rest was a different kind of rest it was an eternal rest because he had finished the work now why do i talk about god and how he rested because that uh, model is meant to be paralleled with adam god worked and finished his work And then he entered into eternal rest. And in the same way, Adam was meant to work. And when he finished his work, the prize for him was meant to be an eternal rest. If only Adam and Eve would do the work that God had given to them. To be fruitful and multiply, to tend the garden and not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they would be able to enter into that rest. Right on the one hand, Adam and Eve, they enjoyed rest in the garden, right? It's not like now, right, on the other side of the fall, right, where we're, you know, tired and stuff. They were never tired, right? They enjoyed rest, but it wasn't yet eternal rest, right? The Garden of Eden wasn't the end goal. It was really a stepping point to what would have been that, that was better, the eternal rest that God had waited for them. Adam worked. But the work was not tiring, and he was meant to work and complete it so that he might also enter into eternal rest. Now we call this uh, the covenant of works, this idea that Adam was given work to do. And the expectation was that if he would fulfill that work, right, God would lead him to rest. But if he would fail that work, then it would lead to his condemnation. And as we know, Adam failed. He failed the work. If Adam had done what God had promised him to do, 
The implication is that he would not have eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He would have tended the garden. He would have been fruitful and multiplied. And then he would have had access to the other tree in the garden, right, the tree of life. Right? And as he ate from that tree, not only would his rest uh, be something that he enjoyed in the present, but that he would enjoy that rest for all eternity. Right? Nancy Guthrie, in a book, Better Than Eden, says that Eden at the beginning was not like it was intended to be forever. Even in Eden, history was headed somewhere. It was headed toward an unending, all-satisfying rest in the presence of God. If Adam had obeyed and completed the work, he would have brought all of humanity into his rest. That was God's design for mankind. We were made for rest. Not a fleeting rest that we sometimes get every once in a while. We were made for a constant rest that never ends. In the book of Revelation, it says, To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. That's God's design for us, that we will take from the tree of life and enter into rest forever. But Adam failed. He did not conquer. He did not finish the work. And Adam, he failed. Before he could be fruitful and multiply, he did not have dominion over a living thing, but he allowed a living thing to have dominion over him, right? The serpent. And then his, his wife would then lead him and he would eat of the tree that he was not meant to eat. And that design was disrupted. We lost our rest. So that's the first point, God's design for rest. And now we enter into sin's disruption of rest. Right? Sin's disruption of rest. Adam, who is the representative of humanity and mankind, was meant to lead us to rest, but in his failure, he has now led us into restlessness, into exhaustion. We're in a constant state, not just us, but all of creation. And everything around us is in turmoil. It's, It's tiring. It's decaying. It's troublesome. We face frustration. That is all a result of that failure. It is a result of sin. Due to the fall, we, we see it all the time. Right? We're spiritually restless. Not only did Adam and Eve get evicted from the Garden of Eden, right, that place of belonging, but we see straight away their relationship with God is broken right? because they ate of the fruit. In chapter 3, verse 8 to 10, it says that they hide from God. The first time they, they're trying to turn away from God in shame. That relationship with God that's meant to be a source of rest and comfort now becomes a source of rebuke and condemnation. And we are the same. We are spiritually restless. We were made to know God, but our relationship with God is broken as well. Our communion with our Father is not the same as it should be. We are spiritually displaced from where we belong, and we are spiritually disrupted from whom we belong to. And so we're restless spiritually. We're empty, we're longing, we're searching. There's something more. That's what we think. And that's that yearning for God. That's that yearning to go back home. Not only are we spiritually restless, we're relationally restless. Another thing we immediately find is that Adam and Eve's relationship is broken as well. In verse 12, we see Adam, he, he blames Eve for why he ate of the fruit, right? It's her fault. 
right? that, that relationship that's meant to be good and harmonious is broken. And in verse 16, God tells Eve that her relationship with Adam will be filled with tension as well. Eve was made to be Adam's helper. They were meant to be like a perfect pairing. Eve was literally Adam's missing piece, right? The rib that was a part of his body so that when Adam was with Eve, it's like they made a whole. Right? It's like perfect alignment. Right? It's always into puzzles lately. It's satisfying when you put a I don't know why I thought this, puzzle piece in. It just perfectly fits. That's what Adam and Eve were meant to be like constant source of support and encouragement and love and help but now because of sin those relationships are restless they're not always perfect but we meet people and we say oh you're you're the missing one you're 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 the perfect piece that's not true we might fit in some ways but we don't fit in other ways our relationships sometimes are not ones of love and comfort and encouragement There are friction and fighting and fatigue. We are restless even in our relationships. And we see this in our lives. It's with our spouses, in our families, our co-workers, friends, children, even in church. Our relationships are sometimes not at peace. It's hurtful. It's harmful. It's draining. That's a product of the rest that we have lost. We're spiritually restless, relationally restless. We're also vocationally restless. Now, I couldn't think of a better word than that, so that's what I used, vocationally. But because of what happened in the garden, everything we put our hands to, all of our work and effort, faces resistance. Things aren't as easy as they should be. You see, a part of God's work for Adam and Eve was to be fruitful and multiply, to have dominion over every living thing, to tend the garden. But all of this we see in Genesis begins to face resistance. In verse 16, God tells Eve that the work of bearing and raising children, the fruitful and multiply, will not be peaceful, but it's now painful, God says. What used to be a delight is now difficult. Bearing children raising children yes it's great yes it's hard yeah it's restless oh Ruben's been so hard this week oh oh, we'll talk about anyway not only that but the work that God gave them to labor and toil and tend the garden this becomes restless too it's not only fruitful but it's frustrating God says the ground will now raise thorns and thistles It is in pain that we will toil. And what was once freely available in the garden, all the food, they will now eat by the sweat of their face. And we see this in life. Whenever we go to work, we try to study, complete a project, we face resistance. Things aren't as easy as they should be. If we were farmers, we would plant a seed, but it wouldn't always grow. We would water it, but sometimes it will die. Some of the birds will come. The sun will scorch it. And there are all these reasons that work is futile and often fruitless. When we try to learn, I don't know, sometimes it's so hard to understand things. And you're like, why is it so hard to understand? That's the futility of work that we're facing. 
projects at work don't go the way they should. There's miscommunication and we don't hit deadlines and why and this and the things don't seem to go, fall into place. That's all the resistance that we're facing and it's restless. As I was writing this sermon on Friday night, I was sitting in front of a blank, white, A2 piece of paper on my table. I'd written the same thing literally five times. Like once I typed it out and then I mind mapped it out, trying to make sense of what I'm saying. And I, I, I actually like made a sound in frustration. I was like, ugh. <laughs> Just being honest here. That, that's the restlessness we face with work. But then we also face physical restlessness. Adam and Eve in the garden were physically at rest. Like their, their, their bodies were just constant, at peace. But now since the fall, it's, it's like this, it's decay. We get tired. We hurt ourselves. There's sickness and illnesses. And at the end of it all, we die. Physically, we are restless. God says, cursed is the ground because of you. And then he says, and you will also now return to that ground. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. All of creation is in decay. It's breaking down. And all of God's creatures now are in decay. And we too are breaking down. We get tired. We get sick. We grow old. And we die. Doesn't that cheer you up? Yes, we're all in a good mood now. This is just the reality of what the Bible says. The world and everything is in a state of restlessness. And that's why we want rest so much. We want it so much. On the one hand, we were made for it, to enjoy it for all eternity. But on the other hand, we're surrounded in a world and we ourselves full of restlessness. That's why we long for it. We chase it deep down inside of us and so throughout the day we we look for pockets of rest we work 20 minutes we rest five minutes we work 20 minutes we rest five minutes it's called the pomodoro technique it's a thing because we we can't engage forever our minds get tired we jump on youtube to get some vocational rest we go for a walk because we need some relational rest we have a nap we need some physical rest where we're seeking rest And at the end of the day, when we get back home, we watch some Netflix, we read a book, or we throw ourselves into bed. That's us longing for rest. At the end of the week, we have the weekend. That's us longing for rest. Maybe we guard the Sabbath. And at the end of a season, we go on a holiday. All of these things are good. In this world that we live in, all of these things are necessary. But all of this is a rest from exhaustion. We were made to rest from completion. This rest that we seek daily, weekly, at the end of the the season is only temporary. It's only to re-energize ourselves enough to step back into that endless cycle of constant restlessness and momentary rest go back into work and we get tired and we go on another holiday and then we rejuvenate a little bit and then we go back to work and it's just a constant cycle so we need that rest to keep going in this life but what god has made us for is eternal rest that comes from completion right 
that rest that we enjoy here and there only scratches the symptom. Right? And so rest, yes. Go on your holiday, yes. Watch some Netflix, all that stuff, yes. But at your heart, you need to solve the problem of your eternal rest. And that's where Jesus steps into the picture. God's design for rest was that we might enjoy eternal rest once the work was finished. But it wasn't finished. Adam failed. And so we had sin's disruption of rest all around us and inside of us. And now we have Christ. Christ's deliverance into rest. What we need is a better Adam. An Adam that will do what the first one failed to do. An Adam that will finish the work that was laid before him. An Adam that could lead us into a place of rest, right? what we think of as heaven. And that is exactly what Jesus did. Right? He did this in his life, and he did this in his death. Let's look at his life. At the start of Jesus' ministry, right after he's baptized, what we find in Matthew 4 is that he's led by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. Right? He goes to be tempted by the devil. Now, there are similarities between Jesus' temptation with Uh, Israel in the book of Exodus but there's also similarities here with Adam and Eve Adam and Eve were tempted by the devil and in a similar way the devil comes to Jesus and he tempts him with food that's the first temptation as Adam and Eve were tempted with fruit the devil also twists God's word when it comes to Jesus Uh, with Adam and Eve he he, um, misquotes God Uh, with Jesus he misapplies it And now, the ultimate intention is is similar. It's to turn from God and to follow the way of the devil. So in a very similar way, Jesus is living as if he is the better Adam. And he is. Because he remains faithful. He doesn't disobey God. He doesn't turn to sin. So not only is the start of Jesus' ministry work, and he, he does it, but when we get to the end of Jesus' ministry... In the book of John, right before Jesus is arrested, he's praying for his disciples. And this is what he says in verse 4. He says to God, I glorified you on earth. I have accomplished the work that you gave me to do. God gave Jesus work, just as he gave Adam and Eve work. But the difference is Jesus, he did the work and he accomplished it. So not only did the start of his ministry begin with work, but at the end of it, he looked at all that he had done and he said, I did the work. I did all that you have commanded. I have obeyed perfectly. That's his life. But then we see his death. Just like the first Adam, Jesus' final work is done at a tree. Adam's final work was done at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But Jesus' final work was done at the tree that we call the cross. Paul and Peter often call the cross the tree. Now at the tree, Adam acted in selfish gain, but Jesus, he acted in selflessness. In the garden, we see man trying to take the place of God. That's what Adam tries to do. He tries to become like God. But at the cross, we see God taking place, taking the place of man. You know, when you look at Jesus, there is no reason he should have been at the cross. He did not belong at the cross. He's the only person in all of history to have ever lived that should have gone to the tree of life. 
because he obeyed the Father. He should have gone to the tree of life, taken from it, and entered into eternal rest. But he doesn't go to the tree of life. He goes to the tree, the cross, that is a tree of death. And the reason why he goes to that tree of death rather than the tree of life is because this is the tree where you and I belong to. We should be there. Jesus should be here in life. And he takes our place in death that we might have his place in life. That's what Jesus did. He took our place that we might take his. While hanging on the cross, Jesus cried out to the Father. What does he say? He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's a quote from Psalm 22. And if you keep reading Psalm 22, it says this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. See, on the cross, Jesus was suffering restlessness. Enduring the restlessness that you and I are going through, that you and I deserve for all eternity. He took it on himself so that we might be freed from it. Right? He took our sin, he took our restlessness, he took our punishment. He took our restlessness that we might have his rest. And all of this is happening on a Friday. Right? Do you see how Jesus is the, the better Adam here? This is a Friday. Friday is the sixth day of the week. If you go back to Genesis 1, the sixth day of creation is the final day of God's work. It is on the sixth day that God finished his work and then he rested on the seventh. And Jesus is at the cross. It's the sixth day of the week. He's going to do his final work. And right before he dies, he opens his mouth and he speaks one last time. In John 19.30, it says, When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, and these are his last words, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Jesus had spent a lifetime as the second Adam, as the better Adam, perfectly doing the work of God. And then he goes to the cross and completes his final act, his final work, our salvation from sin our rescue from restlessness. And as he dies, he says, it is done. It's finished. He's done the work. He's done the work that the first Adam failed to do. And now that he's completed the work, he enters into an eternal rest. And as our second Adam, he can now lead us, those who believe in him, into the rest that we were made to enjoy. This is the problem with rest. We were made for it. God designed us for it, to enjoy it for all eternity. But instead of leading us into eternal rest, the first Adam failed. He failed the work. He led us into a state of constant restlessness. And now we see sin's disruption of rest every day we live. Restlessness, spiritually, relationally, vocationally, physically. We get worn out, we get burnt out, we're exhausted. And so we find pockets of rest, but at the heart of it, what we long for, what we were made for, 
is to rest forever. And so we need Jesus. Jesus is the one who did the work. He completed it all, and he entered into a rest. And he's able to lead us into that rest as well. Now the rest Jesus offers us is both something we get to enjoy in eternity for heaven, but it's also something we get to experience now on earth. It's both a later and a now. And the dynamics of this, um, I don't have time to unpack today. So maybe next week, maybe, that's what I'll talk about. How we can enjoy rest in Christ as we live life on earth. But all I want to say is, as I end, is this. If you are restless in life, if you're frustrated and tired, if there's something in your heart that longs for more, what you need is Jesus. Jesus is the one who can bring you rest. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The rest that you've been longing for, at the end of the day, the ultimate rest is not found in your TV or your couch or your bed or I don't know where else in, I don't know, Hawaii or something, some place. It's found in Christ. He is the one that we need to find. He is the one that we need to see. St. Augustine famously said, You have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless till they find their rest in you. And so I'm going to close, and we're going to spend some time finding our rest in Christ. That's what we were made for, and we can only get it in Jesus. Let's close our eyes, and we're going to pray. I want to spend a good uh, few minutes a few minutes just resting in the presence of Christ. And again, I didn't get to unpack what that really means and how that works for us today. But if you're restless in your heart, in your body, in your mind, know that what you need is the better Adam. The one who is resting from completion. The one who is resting for all eternity. Why don't you come to God through Jesus Christ and surrender the rest and the burden that you have in your heart? Why don't you pray and ask that God will take it away from you? Why don't you confess that it is you, God, that I've always needed? My heart is restless until I find my rest in you. Whatever you're wrestling through, whatever you're carrying, why don't we come to Christ? Let's surrender it at his feet. Let's just wrestle in that place of prayer right now.